Welcome to Living Hope Podcasts. If you want to learn more about Living Hope and our ministries, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca. We hope you appreciate today's message. Thank you, Mrs. Whistling, for sharing that story. Uh, We're going to be visiting that same story for our passage today, so I invite you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11. You'll find that on page 15 of the Pew Bibles there. We're going to be finishing, as I mentioned earlier, our series in the stories we tell. Um, And you might notice that this story is vaguely familiar, not just because we just read the story, uh, but because this was actually referenced a bit in our Pentecost message. Uh, When we talked about Pentecost, we mentioned how this story was about the scattering and the confusion of languages and how that found a response in Acts 2 with the gathering of people from all nations in Jerusalem and the understanding of one another, the, the understanding of the languages that was represented by the healing that the Spirit brings. Um, Since we've already looked at that theme in this passage, we're actually going to look at a different theme, uh, just showing again that the richness that is in God's word here. So we're going to start here in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. The title is, To Make a Name. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As the people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because... There, the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make is trying to fix our mistakes with technology, Uh, rather than correcting ourselves, just coming towards technology to to try make everything better. Uh, A couple examples of this. Um, In warfare, uh, technology is often looked at to bring peace. We just build larger and larger weapons, hoping that someday we'll arrive to something that will bring a full and certain peace. But all that has brought is things like the atomic bomb. Not a solution, just another deeper, stronger presence of the same problem, that same problem of sin. 
A classic example of this is also in our use of, of energies, uh, electricity. Uh, we've discovered that the ways of using these energies were harmful to the world, and rather than finding ways of limiting our energy consumption, we rely on technology to help us get out of the problem. It's much easier to think of ways that we can get renewable energy than to actually rethink the embedded practices that have caused us to use so much. Those are kind of bigger, large-scale ways that it can be done, but we also do this in smaller ways. Uh, we do this in our individual lives as well, using technology to deal with our personal problems. Often people feel lonely and disconnected and will turn to social media to seek that kind of connection, finding the maximum interactions that they can. However, this doesn't really solve the problem of loneliness, as many of us likely know. We only have created newer, deeper problems, insecurities, ways of vying for our own identities. This is the inevitable result of when we look towards our technologies, our, our resources, our, our skills, to try cover up the problems that come before us rather than dealing with the issue itself. In, in each issue, we also see a flaw in the narrative of progress that our society often tells, the idea that, that we're getting better over time. Each case reveals that we're often so content just trying to change the problems with our own strength rather than doing the hard work of change and working towards peace, towards better care of our planet, and towards deepening of relationship. And of course, the examples could extend far beyond that. And, and this, this problem, this, this insight, is nothing new. This is embedded in the story of Babel here. Uh, in the story, the people are trying to cover up their issues with the building of a city, the creation of a tower. This is one last great attempt for these people to save themselves from the disintegrating society that they see around them. So let's look at this and where it is in our passage, looking directly at verse 4, where it says, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. This line here, Otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Uh, the, the people in this passage foresee what's going to be happening here when they try to get together. Uh, there are people that have already displaced themselves from the center. They no longer have God at the center, and they no longer have something that unifies them in harmony together. And they realize that as they gather, they don't grow in further unity and in community, that eventually they are being propelled outwards, that, that they have this fear that they will scatter, so they have to do something about it. And rather than dealing with it, rather than looking um, at the, the need to return to that center around God, they look inwardly. They look at themselves, their own strengths. What sorts of things can we do to unify ourselves in our own power? One commentator makes this note here of what he sees in the passage. 
The Lord saw that the attempt to build the tower was only the beginning of what they would do, seeing verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 6. The demonic dangers of mob rule, crowds united with their energy, striving for power, but direct goals which can only ex- inexorably lead to destruction. It might be just more clear if the writer said that these paths would just lead to destruction, that this inevitably would lead to the destruction of the people because sin has impacted their lives. They, they can't just cover it up with technologies. They can't just look deep within themselves and make something that will help them to unite. The fear that they have here is similar to uh, the depiction that C.S. Lewis gives of hell in his book, The Great Divorce. Uh, so in this book, he imagines hell not as the, the gathering and the, the pushing together of all the worst and nasty people. Instead, hell is a place of extreme solitude. It's people in their mistrust of others creating these massive palaces where they end up being on their own. Hell is a town constantly growing in size, but it is also at the same time growing in emptiness. It's constantly moving outward. The people in the story of Babel are afraid of being scattered across the earth, so they make a plan. Back to verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. The goal is to make a name by building a city and a tower. And to do this, they use the the technologies they have at hand. Uh, They're going to use, uh, or they're going to bake bricks, bake them thoroughly, as our passage says. Uh, One of the things that our passage also highlights, and something that we uh, focus on, is that image of a tower. It's a very powerful image, and we're actually going to spend uh, a little bit of time looking at the language that's used here, and what is meant when these people are building this tower. So basically, uh, what they're talking about, the word that they're using for towel, tower isn't uh, one of a watchtower, it's not a skyscraper that they're building, it, it's a specific type of building that would have been familiar in the ancient Near East, in, the, in Mesopotamia, in that region of Babylon. Now, We know a little bit more about these towers because of archaeologists. Back in the day, they found a tower that looked like this. Now, you really need to use your imaginations to imagine this as a a Tower of Babel. Uh, This is one of 30 mounds in that region that varying in sizes. Um, And they reconstructed this one, this one's an Ur, um, to, to give a better sense of what this would have looked like. You could see they would, it would have had stairs leading up, people walking upwards um, in this tower, and it reveals a little bit of what the, the function is. Um, before getting there, I'll just show um, a diagram that I drew here. I, I copied this one uh, to give a picture of what this might look like when it's more completed. Uh, by the way, this is my second attempt at it. My first attempt looked a little bit like this. Uh, both of them give the same sort of image. They're both ladders. 
They're both pointing upwards towards heaven. This one might be a little more helpful. I, I don't know. What, whatever one, if you're trying to draw this at home, you can go with the second option as well. Uh, but the whole idea here is that they are working their way upward towards the heavens, and each one would have a space at the top. And this space was meant to be the meeting place of the gods. So it, it wasn't this modern idea that they would actually work their way into the heavens because it was so high. It was that they were going to build a building that, that signified a meeting place of the gods to bring the gods down to them. Archaeologists, in uncovering the names of these places, found that they had names that can roughly translate to temple that links heaven and earth. Or uh, one in Sipper is called Temple of the Stairway to Pure Heaven. Uh, it reveals the purpose of these, these types of buildings and gives an insight into our passage. Um, if you're also thinking the language of stairway connects to Genesis 28 and Jacob's Ladder, uh, we can follow up on that one a little bit later, but there is some interesting things there. The names reveal the purpose, though. These were ways of accessing heaven, ways of making the gods closer to them, ways that they could become like gods, as our children's story mentioned. The stairways were meant to dissolve the separation between heaven and earth, and as Basically, gods, these people could come up and demand anything they wanted. This was key to their idea of bringing things back together and making a name for themselves. Essentially, this is the vision of creation flipped upside down. This is the intention of the creation story in complete reversal. Let me explain that one a little bit. Remember our first description of what creation was and what it was meant to do. It was for the glory of God. Things delighting in just being, just existing, being to the delight and glory of God. And humanity was meant to take creation and to shape it and be creative with it as a way of bringing praise and glory to God. They were to bring it into its flourishing and its harmony, and that would be the glory of God. And here, we have people using that very same creation and their God-given creativity not to praise God, but for the elevation of themselves, to be in opposition to God. They use the things meant to bless God as a way of rebelling against God so that they can be like gods themselves. To turn it back to the image or the title of the sermon... This is about the making of a name. And the idea behind making a name for yourself inevitably means that you are rejecting the name and the identity that God has given you. Now, there's an intentional parallel here between Genesis 11 and Genesis 3. Remember, in the story of Genesis 3, Adam and Eve take the fruit Taking this fruit was a way of taking creation to gain the knowledge of, of good and evil to become like God. They use creation, meant to be for blessing, as a way of rebelling and trying to rival God. 
In the Babel story, the people wanted access to the gods to walk up the steps and demand whatever they wanted. They imagined the gods being something to be manipulated and to be domesticated, easy to reach and easy to be overpowered. So like Adam and Eve, they take creation and they try to use it to benefit themselves in opposition to God. The scene that we need to, the sense that we have here is that we often do the same things. We depend on ourselves today, uh, maybe not through the bricks and building a center, but in our own ways, our own narratives of progress that we tell. We live in a culture that seems to think that as time progresses, things will get better, that the problems will get solved through our varied advancements, that that is where our hope lies. However, sin and the fact that it is embedded in every space, in our lives, in our social structures, in our systems, means that the solutions that we use to cover up sin will only uncover more problems. It will only transfer the sin and the separation that we feel because of it to new spaces. So as Christians, we do well to remember this. The problem is not in the technologies themselves, It is when our ultimate hope is placed in them to save us or to rescue us from the problems we've created. We need to reckon with the hearts that created systems of oppression, systems of relating to each other that rely on war to settle disputes, systems that rely on the destruction of our material resources to keep our lifestyles, systems of social media that distract us from our loneliness that there's a fundamental brokenness that we need to reckon with, that we need to contend with in order to move forward. And, and to be clear here, I'm, we're, I'm not anti-technology or as, as looking at the city. We're not uh, anti-city looking at the story. We're not anti-bricks. Like, that's not what the story is talking about. What the story points to is the danger that we have on depending on our own strength, our own ingenuity, to get ourselves out of the mess that we've made. When we make ourselves to be gods and we try to bring God down to our level, we know that there are certain things that technology, that our systems cannot fix, as we acknowledged in our lament earlier this morning. We are embedded in patterns of sin, in systems that are run by sinful people. When we try to pull ourselves out, we end up looking a lot like Adam and Eve near the end of chapter 3. They've they've sewn fig leaves together, and they're just feebly trying to cover themselves up. Not a full resolution to that story. We end up looking like people in Genesis chapter 11 trying to build these brick uh, structures so that they can access the gods. Well then, what then is the solution? Where, Where does our passage leave us today? Well, there... If you look at our passage, there really is no solution if we finish where we finished. 
The story ends with scattering. And this is a massive departure from the earlier stories that we looked at in Genesis 1 through 11. The earlier stories followed this pattern. Grace, rebellion, judgment. After judgment came new grace. So to follow this through. Um, In the first story of Adam and Eve, the grace of creation, the rebellion of turning from God, the judgment from God being kicked out of the garden, and then new grace. They were given the animal skin clothes, preparing them ahead. Grace, rebellion, judgment, new grace. Uh, We saw it in the story of Cain, the grace of receiving a brother, the rebellion in killing him, the judgment in the restless wandering, and then the new grace, God's protection over him in the midst of wandering, that same pattern, grace, rebellion, judgment, new grace. We saw it again in the story of Noah, the humanity continuing to fill the earth, the rebellion of humanity, the judgment through the flood, the new grace of that new covenant, grace, rebellion, judgment, new grace. And then we hit the Tower of Babel. By this time, we know what to expect. The pattern is set. Grace, they allow, or God allows this community to continue to grow. Rebellion, they rebel in um, trying to live independently from God. Judgment is the scattering of the people. And then that's where it finishes. No new grace. Where do we find new grace in the midst of this story? What, is, what sort of story is this? Really, what this should be prompting us to ask. Well, the story doesn't finish with new grace. It actually finishes and then moves on to a genealogy, which we have looked at before. Genealogies signal a connection to the story. And after the genealogy, we have chapter 12, a very important chapter in Scripture. This is where we have the covenant that God makes. This is the starting of the new grace that fills the whole of the rest of Scripture. New grace is revealed in the words, I will make you a great nation. This responds to the tensions of Babel, where the people are trying to make a name for themselves, and God comes down to Abram and says, I will make you a nation. The salvation is going to come from God, and from God will bring the blessing of all nations. This story signifies something. The the, the first 11 chapters of Genesis here, this little bit, has often been referred to of as the first half of the Bible. Uh, it's not because it's the fir- like people are doing bad math if, if they think that's the first half. Um, the reason why it was called that is because it sets up that, that problem that needs to be resolved. The rest of Scripture, chapters 12 through Revelation 22, if I can find it, all of this is the new grace All of this is God's plan of redemption responding to the sin that humanity was stuck in on their own. This 
What sort of story is this? This is a story leading us to and pointing us to the new grace that God gives. In contrast to a people trying to prove themselves, in contrast to trying to make a name, through our own pride and vanity, we find a story of God being the one that brings the flourishing, not just to a city, but to a nation. God who brings humanity into rescue. It's one that ultimately finds its response and its answer in the person of Jesus. We know the name in whom we find the true answer, where God comes down to make good on the covenant that he made to be a blessing to the whole of the world. Where Babel forgot its center, Babel forgot its identity and securing the existence that was meant to be in God, Jesus embodies the response of faithful living. From the space of being free in Jesus, we do not need to cover up with technologies. We do not need to try to make a name for ourselves. We are called into something that is both more joyful and more challenging. We are called to occupy a different space, one where we cultivate change in our hearts, one where we look to the Spirit's prompting within us to change us, to repent of the places where we have done wrong, to lament our sins, to orient ourselves towards a new center. As those centered in God, we recover the center that unites us, that that brings us together. It is not in our own power. It is not in making a name for ourselves. To point back to the introduction then, as Christians, we see the image of God in one another, and that is what propels us towards a vision of peace. As Christians, our movement towards care for God's creation is not from a frantic need of self-preservation. It is not just a need for us to survive, but it is out of the need to care for God's creation that he has gifted us. As Christians, our engagement online is not to bolster our identities or to combat our loneliness, but fosters positive connections that gives a safe place to share and connect. As a church, as living hope, we are called to face the places that decenter us. Where we move forward as people rooted in the identity that God gives us. Engaging technology and other places not to make a name for ourselves, not to cover up our sins, but to mediate God's blessing in the world. As humans, we will inevitably try to solve, try to patch up, are our issues of sin through technology. Fig leaves to cover shame, bricks to access the gods. As culture and and conditions change, technology will inevitably come and try to meet it in different ways. It will always look a little bit different, but it always does the same thing. It simply transfers the brokenness. It, It shows the brokenness coming up in new ways, never quite solving the issue. The question remains then, how do we as Christians, informed by the story of Jesus, saved 
from sin through the work of Jesus and empowered by the Spirit, how do we as Christians respond well? Uh, to finish, I propose that we take a note from this last page, this last story that we looked at. That we work hard in decentering ourselves, that we evaluate the spaces where we try to make a name for ourselves and learn to hone in on the story where God is the one who gives us a name, the one where we are free from, from posturing of ourselves to preserve our identity, where we admit that we need God, God's forgiveness, and we live into that reality of new grace, that ultimately we are embedded into the story of God's new grace and his new plan of redemption for all of us. We move forward, engaging with God's world, with technologies, not to make a name for ourselves, but recovering the original mandate of filling the world with God's glory. As we do so, uh, let's pray and turn to the God who brings us the power to do this. Dear Lord, in a world where we see the effects of Babel all around, continued separation, continued striving to create our own identities, illuminate the ways that we try to hide behind our own self-constructed identities, where we try to hold on to our fragile self-perceptions that we have layered brick by brick. Help us to see how it is not the name we create, but the name that you give that matters. May this center us in our engagement with the world. May this allow us to lament deeply, to celebrate joyfully, and to engage deeply with your world to your glory. Thank you for listening. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in the message and through the work of the Spirit. Once again, if you want to learn more about Living Hope, you can find us online at livinghopecrc.ca.